to a very special bonus episode of the Spirit of Prophecy. The last few days, I had Pastor Patrick Boyle on the program. We talked a lot about the hostility and attacks that have gone on. We made reference to an interview I did with him at the Post-Trib Prophecy Conference back in 2017. And I want to play that interview for you today. I guarantee you're going to enjoy this. Uh, This was shortly after I met Pastor Boyle. And this is what a lot of people found out about him. And uh, he did a great job in this interview. I know you'll enjoy hearing his story. So thank you for watching. What if the pre-trib rapture is the truth and we are dead wrong? Even the pre-tribbers will agree that we're still going up in the rapture same time as them. So there's really no consequence to us being wrong on this, all right? But here's, so here's the thing on the other side of that, what if they are wrong? Well, what do you think is going to happen when everything starts going down and tribulation does come? I mean, what do you think people in their churches are going to say whenever they do try implementing the mark of the beast and things like that? Their people are not going to be ready. Their people are not hearing messages like we heard from Brother Kirchway about doing great exploits and, you know, getting us excited about that type of thing. They are going to be panicking. And we see in the Bible, Jesus, he was constantly warning his disciples about things coming up. And he, t- and he told them all these terrible things that were going to happen to him. And he said, I'm telling you these things so you will not be offended. Whenever it does start going down, you know, he didn't want them being like, Lord, what's going on? He wanted them to be able to say, hey, this is exactly what the Lord said was going to happen. And so understand that if they are wrong, there's a huge problem with that. It's going to cause a lot of trouble. And according to their own teaching... If we're wrong, no big deal. In fact, you know, if the Lord came back right now, I'd be happy about it. All right, but um, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. And so, I don't understand the hostility, but I'm telling you, it's real. And so, um, you, and one thing that I don't know if everyone understands, but when it comes to people uh, like me, like Pastor Boyle, in these situations, you know. We can't always tell our entire story simply because of the fact that, you know, we're not crazy, we're not mean, we're not hateful. The people many times who have come after us are people that we love deeply and people that we grew up respecting greatly and held in high admonition. And you know what? Just because we found out maybe they were wrong in something or we were taught wrong in something, it doesn't change the fact that we really care about these people. And you, you grow up wanting to um, please these people, wanting to impress these people. And when you see something in the scripture that co- totally flies in the face of what they're being taught, and you do have to make that change, and the attack does come, it does hurt deeply, and it's real. And I'm here today to tell you, it, it, it gets really ugly. And it's sad what's going on. And so this is Pastor Patrick Boyle. For those of you who don't know him, he's pastor of the Countryside Baptist Church in Port Washington, Ohio. And uh, I've got to know him a little bit. Uh, we've talked uh, uh, several times the last couple months. And uh, just, I mean, this guy right here is just, he's a, he is a great guy. I mean, nice guy, great testimony. He is everything they teach us that we should be as far as personality and everything like that. I mean, it, he is. He, he's, he's the whole package. Yet, at the same time, uh, because of his position, he's 
been through it, and he's really dealt with some things way worse than I have, for sure. And so uh, I asked him if he would be a part of this and just kind of tell some of his testimony and uh, share his experience. So Pastor Boyle, if you'd just kind of share every, uh, with everyone your testimony and kind of some of the things you've experienced as a result of your position. All right, it's an honor to be here. And as he said, Patrick Boyle, my wife Robin, we have seven children, two of my oldest are here with me. I've got six boys, one girl, and we're in Port Washington, Ohio. And I've prayed a lot about giving my testimony because I'm, I'm just not a boo-hoo kind of guy. I mean, we're in a battle and truth is to be fought for and defended and preached. Um, but the Lord just kind of impressed me that if I'm going through these things, and I know many have shared some of the things they've been through, and how it made me feel for just discovering what I believe to be the truth. I mean, I opened my Bible, I started reading, and then all of a sudden the attacks from friends, from family, from people you do love and respect come. Um, it made me as a missionary, we were missionaries for eight years in Romania, and it made me as a missionary want to throw my Bible away and cower in a corner and just say yes, sir, to whatever I'm supposed to believe. And just I was not fit for the ministry. And if it makes a missionary who's preaching and teaching the truth on the foreign field feel that way, what does it do to a student of the word who's not very solid? They're just having some questions and they come to their pastor and they say, hey, what is this question? Uh, what does this verse mean? And then all of a sudden they're thrown out like, you know, uh, you shouldn't even be thinking that. What are, where, where, you've been listening to Stephen Anderson or something like that. And they'll just throw you out and it's a genuine, sincere question. And uh, the Proverbs 23, 23 says, buy the truth and sell it not, also wisdom and instruction and understanding. And those, those words stuck to me. It didn't just say find the truth. It didn't just say discover the truth. It said buy the truth. And you're, it's going to cost you something. And then I thought a little further. I thought, you know, right now it's a seller's market. You have more to gain by selling truth right now than you do for buying it. But I'm glad when truth comes back, truth himself, we're going to be on the right side, amen. amen. You're going to want truth. But right now you have more to gain for just selling truth and just go with the flow and not make a big deal about things than you do to actually say, you know what, I'm going to buy truth. I'm going to, it's going to cost me something, and I'm going to make my decision. I'm going to follow truth. And by the way, there's a difference between browsing and buying. You know, I'm for browsing. We, I've, I've prayed a lot before I would uh, make my decision on where I stood on it. There's nothing wrong with browsing with the intent to buy. But we got a lot of people just browsing. You know, they're just, oh, this and that. And by the way, there's a difference between browsing and borrowing, or buying and borrowing, excuse me. You know, a lot of people borrow the, their faith. You know, well, Pastor Anderson says this, or my pastor says this. Well, no, what about you? What do you believe? And we, I got thrown under the bus. My story starts uh, back as a missionary. I was teaching in Romania, and I was there eight years. It was towards the end of my time there that I began to go through the book of Revelation. Now, understand, I was pre-trib, dispensational, all the way down the line. Uh, I mean, I believed it, but just like every pre-trib dispensationalist, we never personally studied it. And you know what I'm talking about. You know, I was going to, I would crucify someone, throw them under the bus, and, and defend vehemently this faith that I had never personally studied because all the great men of the faith... Uh, Brother McMurtry debunked all my reasonings. I just wish I'd have listened to him many years ago. Uh, but I had all the reasons uh, uh, for standing for the faith. I would defend it. So as I approached Scripture, I began to look for the pre-trib rapture. I wanted to explain it to these nationals that I was teaching. And I began to quickly come up with more questions than answers. Now, I did not approach it like most people will say, oh, you listen to Stephen Anderson and he's corrupted you. That is not the approach. I was a genuine pre-tribber all the way and a diehard pre-tribber. 
and I began to open my Bible with that intent. I'm going to prove this, uh, this uh, pre-trib rapture, and I couldn't find it. And I began to question my personal mental ability. I began to question my IQ because all the great men, if you sit through the, the preaching, uh, it's like, wow, they're just so smart and they can pull out of these verses. And they would tell you, Revelations you know, goes through seven different times and you can't just read it and pick out. You've got to know where it's talking about. And then sometimes in one verse, it'll talk about three different times and, and you're just sitting there spinning your head. And I remember when I began to come up with questions, um, instantly the people that I began to ask these questions to were throwing things like, you've been reading Rosenthal, or you've been listening to Stephen Anderson. Or, you... And honestly, my library consisted of every pre-trib book that was out there. I had never read a single other view other than pre-trib. And so I, I, the accusations began to think, you know, what's, what are we hiding here? You know, I, I'm reading my Bible and I'm coming up with these questions. And uh, I remember just going in and trying to prove to the church there, and I didn't have answers. And I read, I read looking. I mean, I read every book there was two and three times. Because when I was reading it, it was there. When I got my Bible, it wasn't there. And I'd read it, and I'd have to have the chart on the wall, and, you know, the, the dispensational Larkin chart and everything. I mean, I was just, I was your typical Baptist preacher. And everybody in my circle was that way. So and they make it feel that if you don't believe these things, you're not Baptist. You know, you're probably not even, and then, you know, we know that if you're not Baptist, you're not Protestant, what are you, what are you now? Am I even right with God at this point? <laughs> and so I remember just doing some deep soul searching, and somehow I stumbled across Pastor Anderson's message, and I didn't really know anything. I didn't, know, there was no disclaimer. I mean, you need to put a disclaimer like, if you watch this, you're going to lose your friends, you're going to get your <laughs> credentials revoked, they're going to yank you off the mission field. I mean, there was no disclaimer, okay? That's just a, by the way, you probably should start doing that. I just thought, hey, he's an independent Baptist preacher. I noticed, by the way, I don't listen to anyone who's not King James. And I love that about that, Brother Anderson, right off. And so I I felt like we had common ground. And then then he said something about Revelation that intrigued me. And he said, read it like it's chronologically written. Now, I was always told that that's not the case. And when I read it, chronologically, I did exactly what, what he said, chapter 1 through 11. And then when you got to chapter 12... Any first grader could tell you that we're, we're starting over. It was just mentioned the segment before. And so it, a light bulb came on. I mean, it was like, wow. And I thought, this can't be. Let me run it by all the other scriptures. Now all of a sudden, the minor prophets made sense to me. I, it all made sense. The day of the Lord made sense. It was so confusing. That whole, that whole subject was just like a fog. And it got lifted. Well, I was, we, were, we were on the mission field in Romania. And um, the Lord, long story, we, got, we went back to America, uh, to, the United, uh, to Florida, to uh, pastor a church. And uh, my home church was, uh, was uh, who had sent me to Romania. And uh, they were going to be the one giving the blessing for uh, pastoring this church in Florida. And so we left the mission field on our own uh, goodwill. Some people think we were yanked off and things of that sort. But we left on our own goodwill, but we didn't know anything was coming. All I knew was I had found these truths, and it was wonderful. I'm like, you know, wow, this is great. And I was supposed to uh, meet with the pastor of the church, or the intern pastor of the church I was going to be pastoring in Florida. And uh, the day showed up, I, I pull into the church, and there's that intern pastor and my pastor. I thought, what's my pastor doing here? I didn't know. And I get in, and they, they instantly, mafia style, and I know this will lead into the next segment, mm. mafia style, no questions asked, said, we've heard this about you, you're a Stephen Anderson. I'm like, what? 
you know, you're following, I, I, what are you talking about? I mean, I, this was all blindsided. I mean, in fact, I was surprised, and I was telling I had never met Stephen Anderson until this conference. This is the first time I ever met Brother Stephen Anderson, talked to him, anything, any communications with him, and I was telling him a little bit of my story, and he said, I'm surprised you were surprised at the response, you know. <laughs> I just thought truth was something everybody wanted, and I didn't think it was a deal breaker. I didn't know I was disqualified from ever preaching the gospel ever again because I believed in a post-trib rapture. I did not understand that. That took me by surprise. And they yanked my credentials from me and said, you'll never be able to pastor. You do not have our blessings. Now understand, I grew up in this church. I married in this church. I went to college from this church. My in-laws are on staff at that church. I mean, I was on staff at that church before missions. So this is like my, my, my whole world. Imagine a goldfish in a little bowl, and you spin, put your finger in there, and you just spin it around. That's where I was. I was not, I wish I could say that I was just, you know, I knew, and I went out there, and I was going to show them. I wasn't. I cowered in a corner. I was like a beat dog. Somebody would raise their hand and just talk about the subject, and I'd cower. I didn't want to be bit again. I, got, I mean, I went, I couldn't even make it out of the office, and I broke down. I was crying like a baby. I got in my car, and I mean, tears were just coming down my face. And I just remember, am I that bad of a person for asking questions? And, and really, it was my pastor that I admired that was saying, like, help me with this if I'm wrong. Help me with, show me. My big question was Revelation 7. If that's not a rapture, what is it? And their explanation of, well, you know, it's the Jews in the tribulation. Well, every nation, every kindred, every tongue, every people. And a multitude no man can number. It just didn't make... And I said, those, don't, those aren't sufficing my, my questions. And uh, I just... They were genuine questions. And I guess I didn't expect that response. And I cowered in a corner. And uh, I just... I, was, I wanted to throw my Bible away. And I said, you know what, Lord? And I actually said this. I said, Lord, when I didn't know my Bible, I was a superhero missionary. I had everybody's respect. And now that I've opened up this book and began to study... I am the worst thing that ever happened to Christianity, and I am, uh, a, uh, 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 I was going to say atheist, but it's about how you feel. Yeah. You know, I'm a heretic, and I'm not even qualified to teach a Sunday school class anymore, and I can't even run a bus route. I'm not qualified for anything. I can maybe, if I, if I behave well enough, take the trash out in church. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine how that makes you feel? And, and these are people that you love and respect. I expected a normal conversation of, here, let me help you with this. And I didn't get that. And we loaded up our van. It was, I had nothing. We left the mission field. It was my wife, my seven kids. We loaded up our van, and I just I wanted to get out of there. I was like, i got to get where I can think. My mom and my dad were like, you just got back from the field. Where are you going? I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. I just got to get where I can think. I, gotta get, I need to know what I believe. I don't know what I believe right now. I, I wish I was where I'm at today where I was like, I know what I believe. I didn't. These were questions. And so the reason I'm sharing this is, not, is because there may be two reasons. One, there may be a pastor in a corner somewhere, you know, feeling like, you know, you know I, I, don't, I feel that way. Hey, listen, they, they, they make you feel that way on purpose. The very questioning of it is they, oh, you're the only one that feels that way. I would be safe probably in saying every independent fundamental Baptist church has at least one or two families that have already questioned this many yeah. times over, right. but they're forced into silence of, oh, don't yeah. even think those thoughts. Yeah. And never having heard of Pastor Stephen Anderson yeah. or anybody right. in this room. Amen. And uh, that's my testimony. Yep. And I imagine many times over, but they, they have a way of making you feel that way. So pastors in a corner are afraid to come out. And uh, you're, understand what you're going to be facing. Don't, take, don't get caught by surprise, as was mentioned about the door analogy mm -hmm. there. You know, Don't get caught. They're going to yank the rug out from under you. Buy the truth. Don't sell it. 
It's not worth selling. I mean, you may get all of it. You may have a better return on it now, but hang on to that truth. The return when Jesus comes is worth it. But then maybe there's someone in the church and you're asking those questions and you go to your pastor and he, he won't answer the questions. He just, he just scolds you for being that troublemaker in the church for even asking that question. Uh, my challenge, you get, get into your Bible and open it up and just let God speak to your heart. I, I only had one stipulation was, God, I, I don't know which is truth but I have to see it for myself. I'm not going to trust someone else saying, just trust me, it's there. I had to see it for myself. And once you see it, I'm telling you, your eyes open up. And I know I'm speaking to the choir, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping there's someone out there that this testimony will help. And let me tell you what I did. I got into Revelation chapter 1, and it said, Blessed is he that readeth and understandeth these sayings. And I, I, I was to the point, I'm throwing my Bible away. It's not any good. It just causes trouble. And when I read that verse, I thought, you know, there's a blessing from coming of knowing the truth. And you do get a recharge of do great exploits. You know, hey, I, look what I found in the Bible. And you, you, all of it comes together, and all of a sudden that fog lifted. Let me tell you. It does wonders for you. There's blessings in understanding Scripture. There's truth here. And don't, I mean, does that even sound like the Holy Spirit when he tells you, don't study your Bible? Don't go too deep? I mean, does that even sound like the voice of God? And that's the, that's the environment that just the very question of, uh, is there possibly something other than pre-trib out there? That's the response you're going to find from most of your preachers and teachers. And everybody outside of my, my, my pastor, everybody that cut communications with me and, and wiped me off the face of the earth, every single one of them in the conversation, I'd say, this is what I believe. And they'd say, oh, you're wrong and you're in heresy. And I'd ask them, have you ever personally studied it? None of them. And that's where I was, though. I would have wrote you off. I mean, I'd have been on the, hollering at the computer screen seven years ago. Like, what are you guys doing? Don't you know? It's like as in the days of Noah. I mean, come on. That proves it right there. Revelation 4.1. I mean, all those that so clearly, it's not there. But until you study it, you don't know that. It just seems like, yeah, it's, it's blatant. It's right there. Everybody sees it. But me. And when, you, when your eyes are open, I tell you, there's just a burden that's lifted. We went to a little town called Port Washington, Ohio. There's 650 population. It's a little tiny town. And there was a church of 18 people. And I mean, I was just like, I was at my lowest of low. And I said, God, I just want to do what I know is right. And I went over there and I began pastoring. And we're running about 180 right now. We're just, and you say, well, you know, what's the secret? You know what the secret is? Don't sell the truth. Don't sell the truth. And, and I love Brother Jimenez when he said, he said, look, if, it's still, if it was still my family and me after seven years, it's still truth and I'm not changing it. Success doesn't prove anything. And uh, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a blessing. There are people out there who are hungry for the truth, who are seeking the truth. And don't let them push you into that corner. It hurts. It, it hurt for a long time. It hurt for a very long time because it's people that you didn't expect it from. And uh, they really do. It's kind of like when everybody's asking you, how are you feeling? You look sick. You look sick. You, you sure you're okay? All of a sudden, don't you start to feel sick? Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're a heretic. You're a heretic. You're, a, you're wrong. You're, maybe I am wrong. And uh, I don't know time-wise, but um, my, right after I got thrown out from my church, just that same week, my wife, we, she was expecting our seventh child, went into complications that we never had, we knew, never saw coming, and I almost lost my wife. My baby was born at 29 weeks. He was flown to one hospital, my wife, and there came Job's friends. Mm. Yep. yep. Yep, he's wrong, and he's going to lose his wife over it. Yep. That's not the God we serve. No. And I was fasting. My wife in ICU, she was there for several weeks, maybe a month, I don't know.
My baby was in another hospital for two months. My family's just off the mission field. My family's at a, par at a prophet's chamber. I'm at one hospital. My kid's at another hospital. My world's been spun upside down. And I'm over there fasting. And most people say, you're fasting for your wife. I wasn't fasting for my wife. I was fasting for God to show me what to do. Am I wrong? Lord, is this your judgment? Because, you know, every one of us has a potential to be wrong. And I was fasting, and I said, God, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And I was at my third day in that fast and pray, and I was just weak. I wouldn't leave the hospital. I stayed sleeping in the, on the floor. I didn't know what to do. And a guy walked in, and it was just a random guy going through rooms, and he, he might have been a chaplain or something. I don't know, but he was an older guy, and he said, could I pray with you? And I said, yeah, whatever. Go ahead. You know, I, I'm out of it. I'm just, I'm gone. And he closed his eyes, and he said this, said, God, would you let this young man know? Now, I'm leaning over the bed of my wife, who normally when you're in a hospital room, that's who you pray for. Mm. He said, would you let this man know that you're not done with him and that there's blessings out there for him and that there's still something for him to do? Amen. And I don't know that guy from Adam. I, he didn't know me. He didn't, there was, I mean, nobody but my pastor really knew what happened at that time. So there's no way he would have known. But God just sent, me, he sent him to tell me, look, you're all right. Everything's all right. And I walked out of there saying, God, if you take my wife, I'm still going to serve you. And I know everything's all right. I didn't get this name it and claim it promise, but I, I heard from God that your heart's right. And make sure, make sure before you go to battle, your heart is right. But sometimes, in order not to hurt the other side, you're not supposed to suppress truth. That's not the answer. So I'm, my goal is not to hurt anybody out there, but I'm not going to suppress truth. Amen. It's, I'm going to buy truth. And if it hurts you, I'm sorry. That's, that you need to get right with that. But um, we're not going to silence truth not to hurt some feelings. Amen. Well, thank you for that. And I, tell you, I heard that testimony, and I, I wanted you all to hear it. Because I know there's many people in here, um, you face similar things in your church. You're not a pastor, but you know, you've, you've gotten ran out of churches before, and you got treated like heretics and treated like garbage you know, because of what you're clearly seeing in the Scripture with zero attempt mm -hmm. to even straighten you out right. on what the Bible actually says, with no attempt to even try to answer your questions, just get labeled a heretic, start ranting about Stephen Anderson, and then they run you out of their church. And, um, and, and it's a real thing that's going on. And, um, you know, but at the same time, I think Pastor Boyle is an example that, you know what, it, that's part of the price. You got to buy the truth. And if you do the right thing, the Lord's going to bless you. And, and God has blessed this man and his church. And I, I believe uh, God's still got a lot of great things he's going to do with them because he's not for sale. Amen. And I, I think that's a great thing. And so thank you for that. Thank you. I hope that was a blessing to everyone. Amen.